welcome Wildcats to another episode of our women's uh, Weaver State Weekly Women's Hoop Show. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. Uh, on the show today, we've got uh, our familiar panel, Steady Panel is what I'm going to call everybody here. We appreciate all three of you taking the time to hang out with Weaver State Weekly this season and uh, talk a little bit about women's hoops. So we've got um, Jessica Euler, longtime uh, member of the panel. How you been, Jessica? Pretty good. Super excited to hang out with Coach V today. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're excited to talk to Coach V. Uh, we also have uh, Brooke Minnick with us tonight. Brooke, how are you? Pretty good. Um, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, uh, Preds playing the Penguins tonight downtown in Nashville. Uh, was tempted to go. Was tempted. <laughs> yeah, want to talk some trash on some guys at work, but uh, ended up staying here and hanging out with you folks. And then finally, we got uh, 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 Dan Hubler on the show. Dan, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing, doing really well tonight. So thanks for having me. Well, folks, uh, like Jessica noted, we have a special guest with us tonight. We're going to be having a coach's interview with head basketball coach for the women's program, Coach Valeda Harris. Going to be chatting with us a little bit about the season, kind of how things went, asking her some questions about, um, like we said, about how non-conference schedule has gone, about regular season schedule, and also the time up in Boise. Uh, then we're going to be doing a game recap. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Sac State game, which ended up coming away with the Wildcat dub. Which is great, and then uh, facing the eventual champs, Montana State, in the uh, in the quarterfinals. Um, but before we get into those segments, we want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all great places to find Weber State Weekly. Yeah, if you would please rate us, give us a thumbs up, give us four stars, five stars, give us five. Don't give us four; that'll kill our rating. Give us five. <laughs> and uh, we're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all good places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. And we're on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly, uh, become a supporter, hop into some of the things. We've got some uh, got some upcoming things planned as we move into the offseason uh, and, and as softball really gets ramped up. But uh, become a patron and support the work that we're trying to do to spotlight more sports on campus up at Weaver State. And then we also want to shout out our sponsor tonight, Studio 9-8. If you're looking for a ring that isn't run-of-the-mill, kind of unique, check out Studio 9-8. They're a local jeweler run by a fellow Wildcat. He's also a former football player. He loves the purple and white just as much as you as I, and I do. So check out their website. It's studio98.com. That's studio N-I-N-E and the number 8.com. You can behold their beautiful rings. They got a lot of unique woods that they use to make those rings. And also, uh, it's not on the website, but maybe if you send them an email, they might uh, put together the uh, Flying W special for you. It's a beauty and it's on my finger and uh, it's worth checking out. So thanks to our sponsor, Studio 98. Okay, folks, this is it. The moment you've all waited for, we've got Coach Valeda Harris here on, on the show tonight. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Colby. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. We, we appreciate you for coming on and chatting with us. We know you're a busy woman. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of probably a lot, a lot of things going on. You know, the team, you know, getting ready, getting ready to move into the offseason now and probably thinking about hitting the recruiting trail. Probably some uh, Texas seems to be a place that you spend a lot of time in. So probably some trips to Texas happening soon. <laughs> Uh, but uh, coach, let's, let's talk a little bit about the season. Uh, we want to, we wanted to kind of use this interview as kind of a, a bookend for kind of how things have gone this year. And so I mm-hmm. wanted to start out by talking about the non-conference schedule, because I think overall it went pretty well. I mean, five and six in non-conference play. I mean, doubling up on, on the win total from last season, uh, which is of course last season, a little bit weird because just a few, just a handful of non-conference games before getting into the, the back-to-back season, which was super weird. But uh, talk to us a little bit about what helped the team make that jump and, you know, just start hitting on all cylinders right out of the gate, winning five games in the non-conference schedule and uh, get started off on the right foot. Well, I think it all started after the previous season. You know, um, we went through that COVID year and um, during that COVID year, you know, so much, so many trials and tribulations, you know, going through that year. And um, what I found during that time, because, you know, our kids had to test every single day. There's certain protocol we had to go through, but going through that time and as tough as it was, because we took, I believe we took five or six, um, incremental, you know, in terms of, in terms of a group of days off because of testing and because of, you know, kids testing positive and things like that. And what I found was, is they just kept pushing. They just kept pushing. We weren't winning, but they just kept pushing. You know, my expectation was, as many schools did, was for our group to after after all of those um, pauses that we took, which was which was five. It might have been six. After all those pauses we took, I thought maybe our kids would just be tired. You know, just be tired because you have to take because the protocol then was 
You know, you had to sit out for 10, it was 10 days off and it was always in between road trips. It was very, very interesting. And then by the time the season went on, we only had to like sit out for a certain number of days. But what I found with this group of young women is they just kept pushing. So I knew in the spring when they came back and in the summer, they had like a renewed energy. And I, and in my mind, I was like, these kids are pretty tough. Like these kids really want, you know, to be the group that turns this thing around. Um, and so from, it was really from that, that COVID year that I saw um, some light, you know, and I saw some life and, you know, we just needed to add a, a piece or two to that puzzle. And, and we were, we were lucky and blessed to add the right people. I mean, that's really what it was. It's the chemistry and the combination of kids. And it was the group of returners that were here in the beginning of the summer and just committed to, you know, working hard and setting up, you know, working hard and setting up a kind of atmosphere that um, that was going to uh, support, push um, and, and will us, you know, to be better. And so I was really proud of those returners and that's really where it all started, honestly. And then it just kind of culminated as we, as we kept coming into the preseason, you know, we added the, we had a group of freshmen, a large group of freshmen that we added, but what was great was those returners just kind of took the freshmen in and said, this is how we do things. This is how it's going to be. And this is what we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, jump on board. And I think everybody, everybody did. And so in the preseason, you know, we knew that there was going to be, when you set up your preseason, you know, you're trying to balance it, you know, between home games, away games, um, real high major teams, mid major teams and things like that. Um, and so we were, our, our kids just, just came in ready to play. And I was like, you know, we have to, we kind of took the underdog mentality. You know, that's really what we we did in starting the season, like, you know, play with the chip, play with the chip on your shoulder, you know, um, and be willing to give everything you had. Because, in, you know, our phrase all year is we must be our biggest believers, you know, and that's really what we started. That's really, you know, kind of how we push forward with everything. Yeah, coach, I actually uh, I worked in the development office when you first got hired on. And mm -hmm. I remember they they had you talk to the National Advisory Committee uh, that first season. And I remember the thing that you told the committee then was this is a young team and that, you know, you, you were going to be working through it. And uh, it feels like like you said, that that at work culminating in this season, you know, the starting lineup, very seasoned, ready to play mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and putting in the work. You know, I know that you know, we had interviewed Jaden, we interviewed Darren. Uh, this season and talking about the work that they put in over the summer, you know, working with Dylan Jones, who also had a great season himself, uh, but just kind of working together to get better uh, mm -hmm. over, over that off season. And uh, I think it paid dividends because Jaden number two in the, in the conference in rebounds, yeah. Hickok number four in the conference in scoring and also named to an all conference team. Um, so hard work pays off. And I think that we saw that on the floor. Right. Right. I, I would, I would agree with you on that. And um, just their, their dedication, you know, their dedication, because again, of course it never happens as fast as we all want it to, you know, we're trying to push the envelope and what, what I really tried to instill and our staff tried to instill it. It's about the process, right? Quit thinking about the end, quit thinking about all the W's. This is the work that we need to put in for us to even have an opportunity to win. Right. And so we have to go through the process and there's going to be some hiccups there's going to be some walls, but there's also going to be some successes and just to keep grinding and fighting and then really doing it together. Right. Doing it together because nothing's a, you know, utopia, not everything's always wonderful, but how are we going to work and fight through any battles or any obstacles that we hit? And then will we do it together? And that was really the biggest piece, biggest pieces of it. And like you said, you say in a seasoned group, which is so funny because with the, you know, with the COVID year, you know, you know everybody gets, gets another year, you know? So, yeah. you know, it's the second year with this, the, the, um, that we had really the, um, the nucleus of the group together. It was the second, it was the second year and, you know, and we have an opportunity, you know, sans Corey and Aloma, you know, really the, um, the big three, if you will, um, are, are back, you know, and that's pretty, that's pretty awesome for us. You know, it's going to be a huge, it's going to be a huge loss losing a, a Corey Pinsir. Like, um, people don't even know what that young woman is and who she is and what she means and what she emanated. And she came in with me and she was really our culture builder. You know, it was really Corey. I needed, I needed a player that was just going to jump on the ship with me, you know, see my vision and really roll with me. And, and she was phenomenal in that. And then we were really fortunate to get Aloma and add her to the puzzle. So, yeah. so yeah. Jessica, Brooke, Dan, questions for coach V. 
Sorry, my my uh, TV went off pause. I apologize. All good. Yeah, so like Coach said, I mean, so like Coach said, I mean, of course, losing Loma and Corey, uh, some, some seniors in, in the backcourt, it's going to have an impact. But uh, Dan, Jessica Brooke, questions for Coach Valeta Harris? I've got one. Now, at Weber State University, we get to see a lot of growth in these students and a lot of changes over time. We, we see you can see it in their eyes often whenever they're they're having the, those aha moments. I see it in the classroom. Uh, you obviously see it on the court. What do you see in your experience over the last four, year, four years uh, with Corey Penser and with these seniors has been some of the most rewarding areas of growth in these student athletes? Um, well, one is as people, <laughs> as humans, as I like to call them, um, as people, the growth has the maturity level and and being challenged. You know, um, that's the thing with college athletics and and. Um, the tough piece about it as a coach, you've got to balance that encouragement with that stretching, with that demand, with the demands, right? Which the ebbs and flows of all of it. And what I, what I saw with a Corey who was here before anybody else was, you know, Corey went through playing out of position because when I came in, we just didn't have enough players. Right. So that was that first year she played out of position. The next year, she we feel like, OK, Corey, you got to get a chance to play the two, which is what you are. Then halfway through, you're back at the point guard again, you know, and just her be her willingness to stick to it, her toughness to stick to it. And then what our freshmen saw, you know, which were the the uh, the the Monka and the Jaden um, and the Vicky and all of them chance to see that that Corey just kept saying, like, if you stick to it, you're going to get, you know, we're going to see the fruits of our labor. Right. And so I think those those aha moments were when, OK, realize that that they can compete at this level. Right. We're not getting the wins that we want to, but we're competing at this level. And so, you know, this year, you know, it's it's a it's a nine game improvement, which is fantastic, which is fantastic. Of course, did we want more? Yes. Yes, we always want more. But it was a nine game improvement. And we know that there were six games that we lost by six or less. Yep. Right. And so understanding that, that that nine could have been 15, that nine could have been 13. Right. That nine game improvement could have been 13. And so what it, it makes them a little bit hungrier. And so when they realize that they can compete at this level and now it's just about putting the time, putting in the effort, you know, trusting the process, trusting the staff, you know, as, as to what we're trying to feed them and, and teach them and um, help them understand. You know, and so there was a there was a lot of aha moments, you know, um, Monka realizing that um, that she as a person, Monka has a gift. Monka is like my 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 alpha, my my dog, my D.A.W.G. is what I call it, what I call him. That's Monka. Monka is going to give you every single thing she has every single day until she will pass out. That is Darren Hickok. Right. And so but that became infectious to other people. Right. It just people just start to understand. OK, OK. You can tell when we started to play this year, we kind of have a different aura about us in terms of like we're loud. We're a little bit rowdy. You know, we get excited about anything. I get fired up at a whole bunch of stuff. You know, it's just but that's our energy. And we have to play with that kind of energy. But Monka was the one that that pulled that out of everybody. Right. And so for Corey, it was the fact that you have to trust the process and you had no matter what you keep working. And that became contagious with everybody else. Like that's Monka. Right. And then Jaden is what I call a program changer. She's just a good, good person who wants everybody to do well. And she will just in, in her own way, she kind of emanates that and she kind of, you know, seeps in other people's attitudes and things like that, you know. And then you talk about an Emma who, you know, she can fire up like that. But what she does have is passion. She has a passion for the game and she wants to win. And so that in itself, you know, seeped into other people. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces about it. And I, I will just go because I'm talking about the starters. And then Aloma has a calmness about her. Like as a PG with the with the head coach, I'm always going to be on you more than anybody else. That's just the way that stuff goes. That's just how it happens. But you would never see Aloma. And I can on film or anywhere else. You don't ever see Aloma chime back at me. You don't ever see Aloma like put her head down. You see Aloma take a deep breath, taking what I said, whether she agrees or not, and then just get back to work. 
Right. So all of those things, that's different people realizing what their role is and how important it is, you know. And so, I, Dan, I hope that answer your. But those are little pieces, little aha moments and things that we see, you know, when we when we the game that we felt like, OK, we're going to be we're going to be all right is when we played UC Davis. Mm-hmm. Close. Because UC Davis has won their conference. We knew oh, they were a good team. They run a million different sets. Dang, Jenny, a million different sets. But the preparation and the way that they were ready for it and the way that we came out and we played, I'm like, OK, there's something to this. You know, I don't know how how far we're going to go or how many, you know, how many wins we're going to get or anything like that. I don't think about that. I just thought that moment right there, I was like, OK, these kids really, really want it. They really, really want it. You know, and then the rest of the season was about learning how to win because we have it. Right. And then we put ourselves in the situation to do so. And now we got to make the proper decisions and choices and things like that to win. So um, that's what the rest of the, the remainder of the season became. But it was that UCA Davis game that I was like, OK, OK, we got a few players here. Yeah. We got it. We got a team that really, really wants to to win and change things. Yeah, and y'all were super fun to watch this year and games came in real close. Brooke even, I think, tweeted one time about her heart rate and how high it was getting. Yeah. I know we wore y'all out with that. <laughs> it was good though. It was so fun because yeah. it was exactly like you said, it was different from the last season, right? Mm-hmm. Like it felt different. Mm-hmm. We could see the drive different. Mm-hmm. Even in our first podcast, we were talking about Rhonda, how the team talked different and all of the players that we interviewed throughout the season just really talked about how special this year was. And I think it just, you know, resonates with everything that you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we we saw and talked a lot about uh, this year is that we were really an inside team this year. So was that something that is kind of your coaching style and what your preference is? Was that built around the roster? Uh, what what is kind of the philosophy behind being an inside team this year? Well, it was it was it was built around scoring in the paint, right? Let's just score in the paint, or let's get to the paint, and then whatever happens from there, you know, paint touches equal scores whether that's paint scores or scores on the perimeter, right? If I get to the paint and drive everybody in and kick it out, then, you know, so be it. However that works. So it was really about trying to get paint touches, right? We didn't run nearly as much as we wanted to. We ran a lot, but we weren't as productive in the running as I thought we would be. But with our, the offense that we run after a miss, it's a different offense than we run after makes that allowed. It's a structure, but it allows the, um, the ladies to have freedom within it. And it was really about let's get to the paint and see what we can get from there. And it just so happened that Jaden was a crazy good rebounder, right? It so happened that Monka is an animal on the offensive boards. Yeah. That kid, that young woman shot 53% from the field. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? That is not a post player. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that piece, and then and then Emma being our, our third leading rebounder. And so just those three, which were primary, and then you got Corey, who's athletic as all get out. And so her getting points and, you know, anybody else who came in and was able to do it, but just just knowing that if we got to the paint, we would see some type of production. And uh for most of the season, um, in the big sky, we shot more free throws you know, per game than anybody, you know, mm-hmm. because we were really attacking the paint. That was intentional to do that. Now we didn't shoot a ton of threes. If you look at the conference, our, our percentage was low, but the numbers that we took were drastically below anybody else. It just so happened that we had, and even Corey on the perimeter had the ability to get to the paint and try to finish and shoot little, you know, jumpers. But we really, really pushed that paint touches, paint touches, paint touches. And whatever resulted from that, you know, was going to be something positive. That was our hope. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I would say that one of the positives that came from that was, uh, and we saw this in the tournament and we'll talk about it in the next segment, but um, crashing the offensive boards that in both of those games, absolutely crashed the glass and out rebounded the, the opponent, you know, just weren't able to get the ball to go down, but giving them, you know, yourselves opportunities to do so because we're so focused on the paint. This is what we want to do. Um, and so a good trend, I think leading into next season, um, yeah. Being, yeah. being, being down in the paint and, and just absolutely destroying the boards. Yeah. Brooke, question for Coach Flade Harris. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask. So Darren um, was the only Wildcat named to the all-conference team, um, but others like Jaden and Emma were also deserving. Um, how do you see them taking the next step next year, next season? 
Well, you know, um, that all conference vote boy. I could talk for hours about that. Thing there. Yeah, we talk a lot about it on Twitter. <laughs> you know, you know Jaden and her double doubles, right? Double double. Emma and Emma, the way Emma impacts the game is in so many different ways. She might be our best passer, right? Yeah, she was top of the conference in blocks and top of the conference in steel. You know what I mean? So there's so many pieces to it, you know. And so the all conference is the all conference, but I sure as heck bet it's motivation for those two. You know, that's really that's really part of what we we talked about because they come out with the all conference on Monday, the day of the tournament. Right. That's another issue. <laughs> Something about that. I would really appreciate that. Um, do it the week prior. But that was also, you know, some of the motivation for these players. I said, take take that. Take whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling and now put it into the game in a positive way. How can we make that, you know, productive for their, our team, you know? And so, um, and I think the next step is, is just expanding, you know, your game. Like Monka, all of her stuff was in the paint. Right. And so her ability to stretch the floor is going to be really, really important because all college basketball is it about scouting when you're scouting an opponent, we're just trying to see what can we take away from you? Right. What can we take away from three, four or five individuals on that team and give ourselves a chance to win? And so Monka expanding her game in that way. Right. And then Jaden has done a great job in the last three years of of her versatility in the paint. Right. But that young woman can shoot the ball. Right. And so it's, it's the confidence piece about that. Right. And then Emma, she did, like I said a few minutes ago, she did a lot of things for us. But now her understanding that when she plays the way that she wants to in the paint, there really hasn't been anybody able to stop her. Right. There hasn't been any, any one person that said, hey, I'm going to stop this kid. That hasn't been the case. Right. She may miss some bunnies, <coughs> um, you know, some shots like that. But there hasn't been anybody that literally just shut her down. Right. And so it's about it's about um, adding versatility, you know, um, to your game. And that's what's going to be important in that next step for us. You know, that doesn't discount Ronda or defense, you know, but the majority of that is, is team oriented. Right. The offensive end, it's just got to be you got to be hard to scout. And so us. So them adding the versatility, us helping them work on those things is really what's going to help us um, as far as those three go next year. Yeah, on the uh, on the men's side this season, we talked a lot about Dante Bass and his impact for the men um, and the fact that really there were only two players like him in the conference at the time. It was really Dante Bassett and conference MVP Jabril Bello. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Emma, Emma Torbert is that on the other side of, uh, in the women's program where there just there aren't players like her in the conference. And so, you know, she has the strength and the size to really bully other players because they, they just can't deal with her game in a shack way where it's like if she wants to get to the rim she's gonna get there but then she has this versatility where she can go out and hit threes like you know in the sac state game she hits that absolutely massive three to give the wildcats you know that opportunity to really say okay like pressure is now back on the hornets win the game yeah and and it makes all the difference right it makes all it makes all the difference so i would say the three people in the conference that are meaning her size and and have some and have some uh you know, or hard to guard would be number 24 on Sac State, you know, in the Sabu. And then um, the uh, Kirsten on um, Northern Colorado, right? So those those three players are, are similar in terms of how they can take over a game, right? Now, Emma's more versatile than the Sac State kid, but the Sac State kid is keeps it simple and gets her double-doubles, right? She has something like 17 double-doubles. Who does that? Besides Aaliyah Boston, who does that? Right. And so they're all different in their own way, but they're really the three that are um, that I would say were similar, like you said, on the men's side, Dante and, you know, whoever those other couple of people are. Right. And so her understanding that and, and, and I think a good a good gauge of that was when we played Northern Colorado the first time. Right. Um, their number, tw- I think her number is 24 as well. Um, their their uh, their post just kind of killed us, right? Took that game into overtime and killed us on that game. But the exact two days later, it was going to be the same thing, right? And so so Emma, you know, through her conversations with those she needs to have conversations with and then just her passion and fight for it was like, I'm going to turn this thing around. And so it was totally, she had 20, didn't she have 29 points, I think, in that first Sac State game? Something like that. So it was, you know, was pretty, she yeah. knew, like, I can't, I can't take a night off, right? 
there's going to be, there's every single night, my team needs me to do X, Y, and Z. Right. And so the way that is with Emma is the same thing it is with Jaden and, you know, Jaden just understanding, you know, all the tools that she has and, and understanding that it takes everybody. It takes everybody. Right. Yeah. Coach, uh, one last question for you here. We've, we've kept you too long. So, uh, we'll, we'll just ask you one more. Um, want to talk a little bit about the tournament. Of course, uh, Wildcats Mm -hmm. get their first win since 2017. Uh, you're the first, first conference tournament win of your, of your career at Weaver state. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that because that was the third time that the Wildcats have beat Sac state that year, uh, Mm -hmm. this year. And, uh, and they of course had Leanna Tillman who ended up winning conference MVP. Um, right. she's, she's a tall order. She gets hers. You know what I mean? You talked a little bit about that earlier. There are certain players that just get theirs. And she is one of those players, um, right. transfer in to, to their program playing on a, on a, on a senior season. Talk to us a little bit about, um, what it took to not just beat them twice, but beat them a third time in, in the conference tournament and, and get the first win since 2017. Right. You know, when we walked in, when we not walked in, <laughs> we made our way into that, into that game. It was about, okay, you guys know it's hard to beat anybody three times. It's hard to beat anybody twice. It's hard to beat anybody three times. Right. And so there has to be a level of focus and understanding as to what our preparation is and our game plan is. Right. She is a really, really good player, you know, being out there and watching it, you know, as a fan, you know, you get the ooh ah, all that stuff. But seeing the speed with which she does what she does is the part that that people I don't think truly understand, you know, just being in there and watching it, you know, from from um, from a player perspective. Um, And so we knew that she was going to she she takes 20 plus shots a game. Right. That's what she does. So how can we make those shots difficult? Right. Number one. Then number two, we don't want anybody else to get off. Period. She is going to get her 20 plus shots because she's that good. Let's make them difficult. But let's make sure number 20 who shot 50 some ungodly percent from three point line. Let's not let her Pinoetta get any shots off. Right. Let's make everything that she does get off contested. Right. And then how can we really. um how can we neutralize their, their, their big number 24? How can we neutralize her? What can we do? And if you notice in those first couple of games, we drew fouls on her. Like that was planned. We're going to go and we're going to attack her this way, you know, based on how she defends, we're going to attack her this way, see if we can draw some fouls. And we were fortunate to do that. And so our mindset was, okay, let's make number, let's make the point guard Tillman feel like there's always a wall in front of her, that she's got to see two or three people. Let's make sure that number 24 always feels like she's surrounded in some way. So that was really, it was really it. We weren't going to stop Tillman. That wasn't, that wasn't even our goal. I'm trying to tell you at halftime, I went in there and I said, great job. She's only taken 11 shots. Now, if that was anybody else, we'd be like, that's too many shots. But for her, great job. She's only taken 11 of those shots is important, right? Right. She's only taken 11 shots. Great job. Jaden, you have seven O boards. Emma, you have five at halftime. You're doing a great job. Let's continue to do that and take advantage of that. And that's really what it was about. Just just a high level of focus and not taking anything for granted. Like I took him back to we got to play with that chip on our shoulder. Right. We are our biggest believers. Okay, And we know what we need to correct. And if you and if you I mean, you all watch the game and you understand that third quarter, we just kind of came out, you know, guns a blazing. We knew they were going to make a run back at us. That's just because they're a good team. That's what they do. You know, they were the top half of the conference. And so um, it was about that. But let's we know what we need to correct. And if we can correct those things and score some buckets, we give ourselves a good chance to win. Yeah. I mean, those those that second and third quarter were stifling defense. You know, they only I think they only scored 12 points in each. So just really an opportunity to kind of open the door wide and say, good luck coming back in the fourth because, you know, we're going to hit shots and you're going to be in foul trouble at that point. Right. You're going to be a factor of that point. Aloma, great for Aloma to have the game, the game that she had that night. Well, and that's, I guess, maybe one last thought there, coach, is that in that particular game, Aloma had a career high. Um, They did not expect an offensive explosion like that from Aloma Solovey. And she totally stepped up and was hitting outside shots. She was getting to the rim. And they were just like, who, who's this player? Because we haven't seen her all season. Like we didn't expect this, you know, we expected to do a number on Darren Hickok or to try and limit Emma Torbert's, you know, attempts. And then all of a sudden the point guard is, you know, knocking down 20 on them. And they're like, what's going on? Like, this is not in the plan. 
So right, right. We didn't. Oklahoma in that game. Right. We did not. They were like, we did not plan for that. So if she, in the first half, she took a couple of shots. She hit one, but then a couple were short, you know, and I'm, I'm on the sideline going like she's got to hit those tonight. And so literally at halftime, we talked about those things, her 11, Tillman's 11 attempts, the fact that we were killing them on the O boards. And I looked dead in Aloma's face. I said, Aloma, all you got to do is bend your knees. And then I was being funny, bend your knee because, you know, she's had knee trouble. I was just <laughs> my humor. It's my humor. And knock those shots down. And when she came out and she hit that first one, it was it was such a good moment because I turned and I look at the the team and they're like, you know, they're fired up because because we knew she was going to have those opportunities. Right. And that's things that she hits that she does in practice. And then once she did that, now Aloma's allowed to do what Aloma likes to do, which is put the ball on the floor and then feed. And that's what ended up happening. She was able to play in the seams and the gaps and she and M played really well together in the zone, right? She got that backdoor layup. And now you got to figure out, okay, we got to guard the three shot fake long step, get down there and dump it to everybody else. And so that was really, it was, it was great for us um, to see Aloma have that productivity because we're always talking about everybody else. Right. But we don't get to our team is not run well unless she's driving it. Right. And so, so all uh, just a ton of credit to Aloma and her toughness and, you know, all that stuff. And you probably heard because I spilled the beans on uh, one of the um, interviews is that she was playing without an ACL that whole that, you know, and so like, come on, who does that? Yeah. Yeah. We were. Actually who really does that? And I asked her, like, do you sure you want to do this? You know, but she wanted to be there for that team. And that that really shows you her love for them and their love for each other. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, Coach Valetta Harris, want to thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us here on Weaver State Weekly. Uh, we know that, like you said, you're a busy woman and getting ready probably to uh, hit the hit the road and start recruiting for the next round of Wildcats. But thank you so much for chatting with us on uh, Weaver State Weekly. We look forward to the fall season and what 2022-23 will bring for the Wildcats in Ogden. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. It's been, it's been, it's been really fun. I got to do this more often. It's been really okay. fun. All right. Tell Paul, we'll tell him. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. Good night. I want to thank coach Valeda Harris one more time for taking some time to chat with us. Uh, I love interviews with coach V because she, she, she always gives you the stuff. She's easy to interview. And I think that that was definitely one of those, right folks. Definitely. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. She always gives gives us the good, good info. Good. Good stuff. And so let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the tournament now. Um, uh, like we, we were just talking about Aloma's game there in the Sac State game. Um, but uh, let, let's dive into that a little bit more, folks. I mean, so um, Wildcats ended up playing on Monday, which is the first round of the tournament being the 10 seed. Uh, a favorable, I think, um, a favorable matchup because, you know, in last week's show, we were talking about potentially facing Idaho and how difficult that has been for the Wildcats, right? How Idaho's just really had their number uh, just... I mean, you all were at the game in uh, Ogden where Idaho went on that that run where they hit like four threes in a row. And that was just like a backbreaker for the Wildcats in that fourth quarter. It was just like, oh, like they're just not they weren't able to come back after that. But uh, let's talk a little bit about this game. I mean, like we said, career high for Aloma Solovey at just the right time. Sac State didn't expect that. They didn't expect 20 points out of Aloma Solovey. <laughs> but uh, what are the, your thoughts, folks? Like, um you know, looking down, she has she has a career high to beat the Hornets for the third straight time this season and give the Wildcats their first turn win since 2017. I mean, what did you guys see? How, how was she able to find that offensive success? I think Coach V talked about it a little bit there. It was fun to see her perspective because, you know, I know all y'all remember because we were messaging each other on Twitter like, oh my gosh, Aloma. It was just so exciting. What I didn't realize until I saw the stat sheet was the number of assists that she led the team in that day too. So it wasn't just that she was taking shots and making them both in and outside of the paint, but it was that she was getting the ball to others to help them. So she was just, she she just had the best night I've literally ever seen her have. And it was, it was just fun to watch. And part of it, I think was taking the risk and doing something different. And when she saw that Sac state wasn't prepared for it, man, they capitalized on it and it was fun to watch. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what that game was going to take. Right. Cause like coach V said, it's, it's going to be tough to beat a team three times and, and Sac state doesn't suck. Right. Like, they were they were in the middle of the conference. They they weren't the, the best team. They weren't the Montana State or you know the SUU or the Idaho State 
uh, of the conference, but like they weren't, they weren't Portland state, you know, and which by the way, we got to, we got to talk to coach V about that. She's an alumnus or uh, an alumna of uh, Portland state. And so got to talk to her a little bit about uh, those two games the next time we see her, but yeah, like it's, it's tough. And so the Wildcats were going to have to do something different in this third matchup. And so I think it really caught the Hornets off guard when Aloma Solvey starts sinking threes. They're like, what? This doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to this team. Cause like coach V said, we're, we're going to touch paint. Like we're going to get in there. We don't shoot threes, let alone this player shooting threes. I don't know if I have anything to add to it, but it was just so rewarding to see her uh, when we'd heard that she was playing through that injury and, and then to see her shine in this game was just so exciting to see. That was probably one of my favorite things was just the, the, the three pointers that she made and she wasn't stopping it. And as Jessica mentioned, it was really exciting to kind of hear the other side of that and how uh, coach Harris said, yeah, just bend that knee and she, take that shot. And she did. She took him. So, Brooke, I wanted to ask you, I mean, Coach V alluded to this a little bit earlier, talking about um, really setting in in the second and third quarters, kind of playing that good defense. I mean, what was it about that, that those second and third quarters and the defense that the Wildcats were playing that kept, I mean, Hornets only scored 12 points in each of those frames. So 12 points in a frame like that, like one of those is rough, but two probably backbreaking in a lot of cases, right? Especially the way the Wildcats were crashing the glass. Like what was it about their defense in the middle of the game that made the difference and really stifled the Hornets offense? Um, I don't know. I think they were just, you know, letting them get a few shots, but I think they were playing their game, getting all the rebounds and not letting them, you know, get second chance points or anything like that. I think they just locked it down. Rhonda came out. <laughs> Rhonda. Yeah. yeah. You guys don't get to see this, but Dan's in our chat right now going hashtag Rhonda. And so I actually did end up getting a question. Uh, I can't remember who it was from uh, in the season. They, they, they messaged us. Uh, we were state weekly. They're like, what's the Rhonda thing? And I was like, Oh, it's this. And they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, sorry guys, we'll do a better job of explaining that next year. <laughs> Cause it was fun. But um, yeah, I mean, like we said, that, that defense, and I, th- and I really think that you're right, Brooke, that, the boards were really the big thing, right? That keeping, not giving the Hornets opportunities to get back and keeping the ball with the Wildcats. Most of those came from Jaden Matthews and Emma Torbert. So sort of like Coach V said there, like looking, going in a halftime, they were, they were aware of the fact that the offensive boards were crashing. Like, what was it about that, Jessica, that you felt that gave them so much success, not just in this game, but throughout the tournament, because the same thing happened against Montana State. They had a lot of offensive rebound numbers. Yeah, and I, I think we just saw a, a bit of a different team when it came to offensive rebounds that we hadn't seen the rest of the season, and it really started to mesh. You know, part of me watching the game was like, oh my gosh, if we saw these offensive rebounds earlier in the season, I think it would have made a huge difference, you know, especially with those second chance points. I was looking at our stat sheet from the season and this was the second highest. The only other time that we had offensive rebounds that were this high was the first game of the season against North Dakota. So we really, I mean, once we start to pull on those offensive rebounds is really when we start to get the complete package. And I would argue that that Sac State game was one of the best that we'd seen all season. And part of it was Aloma, you know, playing outside of what she normally does. We saw some solid threes from Corey there as well. And then it was pulling in. We'd seen great defense and to wrap that up and pull on those offensive rebounds. Um really made for a complete game against Sac State. And I just think it was communication. It was being on uh, with the plays that we were running. And it was just a really, really good looking team against Sac State. Yeah, certainly. Um, So we've talked a lot about the Sac State game. First time the Wildcats get the dub um, in, you know, what, four years, five, (laughs) five years, something like that. Wildcats actually not won a conference tournament game. Um, in Boise, uh, the, the mm-hmm. conference we moved the tournament to Boise in 2018. I can't remember, but their first win in Boise. And so good, to, good, good to see the Wildcats get the dub against Sacramento State. Um, they ended up winning that game, I'd say handily, 74 to 64, and then move on to face a tough draw in Montana State, who was the eventual conference champion, um, conference MVP, uh, or and, Conference tournament MVP, Darian White. Um, and the Wildcats end up falling in this one. Um, 
and it was 81 to 60, uh, but it didn't feel that way to start. Wildcats started out hot. I mean, talk to me about how you guys were feeling after that first quarter. Like, okay, okay. Like, what was going through your mind? Well, I felt really good. I loaded myself up after Sac State and drove to Montana State. Um, and Both and that first... Both. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be the new thing I do. We're going to let the first, you know, round happen and, and then I'll go up for the second round. Um, I, but the first half was great. Um, it, the whole time just coming off of that sack state high, I was like, Oh my gosh, are we going to see a little again? Right. And they were prepared. Um, but <laughs> we, we really stuck with it. Um, during that first half, the, the team looked good. Um, I thought we were going to come out after the second half and, and do just as well. But I think that, uh, we, we looked good. We ran our plays. We were prepared. Our defense was on, um, we were making shots. So the first half felt, remarkably different than the second half did. Yeah. Because like you said, that, that first quarter Wildcats, great shot 58, 57%. Um, but then that, that second quarter, just like, man, just a, a 28%, 0% from three, you know, just wasn't clicking and Montana state was able to get back into it and it actually ended up leading it at the half. And so it was like, Oh man, like, okay. Like you said, hopefully coming back third quarter rolls in, Wildcats shot a little bit better, shot 50%. They were five of 10, one of one from, from three point land, but just not enough points, you know, only scoring 15 points in that frame while the Bobcats went on a tear 27 points in that quarter. And that was kind of backbreaking at that point. Like, how did you all, how did you all see that run by the, by the Bobcats? And, you know, did you have any hope for the fourth? Um, it just seemed like they kind of ran out of gas and, and so I kind of didn't have much hope for the fourth, sadly, just, I don't know. They kind of seemed to go cold and shooting and it, and then when Montana did catch up, it just kind of flipped the game and I don't know, like they just lost the energy, the little bit of energy they had to start. Yeah. I think even with Montana state looking better in that second quarter, it felt like we were still in it going into half. Right. Right. But I think at that point we had gotten into our head, we had taken, you know, nine free throws at that point and only made two. We were coming off the high against Sac state where it just felt different. So I think when we came out and we started missing those three point shots, like it really started to hurt at that point. And then Montana state came out hot after the halftime, you know, they had a pep talk. We were still coming out trying to get back to that point that we had felt just the day before. I think it was hard playing two days in a row to come off and have that expectation of yourself to come out that hot and then not. I think that that might've just been too much of a, you know, a a hurdle in their heads to come over because I do agree with Brooke that by the time we got to the fourth quarter, it kind of felt like, yeah, Montana state came to play. And, you know, I don't want to discount our team either. Like Montana State's in the dance now, right? Uh, so it's yeah. not like we lost to Montana State. They came out that hot and then Montana State taped the next game. Like they played hot. It, it'll be fun to see them going into March Madness here. They got a um, tough draw, though. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah. They got Stanford. <laughs> they sure did. What in the that. heck? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, we could have done better. I think we got in our heads, but we also were playing a pretty dang good team. Yeah, because one thing that kind of sticks out to me is the fact that, um, once again, rebounds were, you know, the Wildcats really did a great job rebounding in this game. I mean, you know, the Wildcats had 16 offensive rebounds, 28 defensive rebounds, 44 to 25 rebounds on the Montana State side. I mean, they just absolutely crashed the boards. I think that the problem for the Wildcats was in that third quarter, um, Montana state was 12 of 20 and a lot of those shots were really close to the basket. I mean, they had, they had 32 points in the paint total, but they just, they, they really kind of found that rhythm and that, and when the mid range game was going for them, it just made it really, really difficult to come back. Cause like we said, the Wildcats shot uh, a really great percentage in the third quarter, but, uh, but man, did they struggle? So Dan, you had some thoughts on, um, steals in the third yeah i mean we see a team that's trying to make up for the fact that they just played a game the day before an amazing game and and i'm not going to repeat what they'd already said because they they 
uh, Jessica and Brooke, they nailed it. It, it. I think it was a lot of exhaustion right there. But you saw them still trying to claw back and try to get into the game. With uh, But when that happens, often um, you see uh, the other team getting a lot of steals, which if I'm looking again, uh, Montana State had 15 steals. And uh, you also see a lot of turnovers. And we had 22 turnovers as well. So... I think you you see some of that whenever you're trying to get back into the game uh, and you're trying to match their energy, you're going to have that happen. Yeah, that was my final thought there was the turnovers. The Wildcats kind of, I mean, Montana State is a tough defensive team, right? Darian White was very, very good in in the regular season at getting steals and she got hers, right? Um, But I wondered, you know, what, what, caused the Wildcats to get back to old ways because in the game against Sac State, I think they only had five turnovers. It was absolutely an incredible job taking care of the basketball. Not so much in the Montana State game where, like Dan said, 22 turnovers, which really kind of did them in, especially in the second half. I mean, you talked about the 15 steals. That accounts for a lot of it. You know, active hands in the passing lanes and just strips. But um, what else did you all see when it came to the Wildcats returning some of those old habits and causing a lot of turnovers. The way I see it, sometimes I'll get in a disagreement uh, with my wife and we'll be grumpy and then we'll go have lunch or dinner and we don't realize what we were fighting about and we seem to be back in sync, that hanger. Yeah. And I'm not saying that uh, our team was hangry, but again, it, it goes back to that being tired um, that exhaustion, it does take a toll. And when that happens, we're often not playing as sharp or in, in my wife and I, we're not playing basketball. We're not thinking as sharp and saying the things we probably should be saying or listening. Uh, if it's me, I'm not, a, I have to work on my listening and I do better after I've had a piece of pizza. Um, but I think we're seeing that with this, uh, this team that's uh, basically a product of exhaustion uh, then impacting uh that sharpness of the passes. And and so you're more vulnerable to steals and to turnovers, and you're probably not getting those extra rebounds that you need in those situations. So it kind of cascades in those situations. I'm not saying that a halftime pizza would have helped, uh, but a halftime power nap, if it could have been two hours, maybe that would have helped. Yeah. I think that this team plays with such an intensity that you can see when they get mad at themselves. Right. And that's what we really started to see. And when we're frustrated, that's when we don't have as great a ball control. I think Darren is one of the biggest players where you can see, like she comes out and she is all in and every single thing that she does. But when she gets frustrated, you can see it on her face and you're like, Oh my goodness. Um, And that's just, you know, and if one player starts to get impacted, they, because they work so closely together, this is a good team that plays together. But with that, if they start to feel frustrated, that rubs off on, each other too. And that's, I think really just what we started to see in that second half more than anything else. Yeah, certainly. I think that, you know, a, a good example of that is um, the, the North, the Northern Colorado game in Greeley where um, Monka missed some late free throws that ended up, you know, pushing it to overtime when they hit that big three. And um, you could tell that she was sort of frustrated with herself. And then, you know, later she fouled out in overtime and it was just, it was just a, a cascade of unfortunate events, you know, but you could tell that the team was frustrated with the way that, you know, things were going. And of course, you know, that Wildcats ended up losing that game. And so just, just rough. But like Dan says here in our chat, credit to Darian White. You know, she's a great player. She went to conference MVP um, and she deserved it. Right. Um, Brooke, I wanted to give you the last word, final thoughts on conference tournament this season. Floor's yours. Mm, oh man, that's a lot of pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No, that's a lot of pressure. No, I'm I just love how much the team has grown and I'm glad that I, I don't know. I'm excited for next season. I it's gonna be sad when Aloma and Corey aren't there, but I I think the core is gonna do really well. And I also want to say I'm so happy for Aloma. I didn't say this earlier, but all season, I kept wanting her to take more shots, and she finally did it in the tournament against Sac State. So I'm like, so glad she finally listened to me. <laughs> Crushed it. 
And, you know, not only did she take shots, she was the, she was the reason why the Wildcats got the dub win by mm-hmm. 10. I mean, because I think she was averaging four points going into that game. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Career high. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the difference, right? <laughs> Well, folks, I want to I want to thank all of you for chatting with me this season about women's hoops. Um, like we said, they're probably going to be doing something real soon. Um, Coach V and the staff will be hitting the road soon to do some recruiting and reload this roster. And so uh, we'll probably do some sort of uh, some sort of some interviews with uh, those those commits once they announce and sign. Uh, but wanted to thank each and every one of you on this panel for being consistent and showing up to talk women's hoops. Uh, showing up to the games. I know you guys are always there and I was jealous. Some of those able to hang out (laughs) with a couple of them though, in December, which was fun, but uh, always good to know that if, uh, if the Wildcats were playing, uh, whether that was at home or away, I had somebody to uh, send a quick message to and say, Hey, what do you think about this? So thanks to each of you for taking some time and hanging out with me here on Weaver state weekly to talk about women's basketball. Thanks for doing this. And thanks for having us. Yeah, man. So obviously uh, nothing coming up on the schedule because there are no more games. Um, and so that's that. So we'll wrap up the show like we usually do. Um, you want to email me? Email me. WeaverStateWeekly at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a Patreon. Um, go to the blog. I've got some stuff I need to put up on the blog. Uh, we had a, I had a man on the ground and uh, he had some write-ups for us. I was thinking I might put all those together and drop them in the blog just for posterity's sake. Instead of you know leaving me out there alone, cold in, in the ether of, of Twitter sphere. So uh gotta compile all those. But um appreciate you all. Like I said, and we'll say like you usually do. Weaver State, Weaver State. Great. 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 Oh wow, cats. <laughs>